I always give myself a deadline and I say, I don't want to be in this situation by X date. And generally that's around an anniversary, right? So my last job that I just left that I was at for five years going full-time in my business, I told myself, I don't want to hit this anniversary. You know, you give yourself a deadline because otherwise if you don't, you may just keep putting it in the someday box. Someday, someday I'm going to do this. This is Debbie, and welcome to another episode of The Offbeat Life, where I speak to inspiring individuals who ditched the norm to become location independent. We'll learn how to create sustainable laptop lifestyles from the experts that will help us achieve freedom from our 9 to 5. Hey friend, are you looking to land a remote gig ASAP? Well, did you know that we not only have a ton of online jobs you can apply to on our site, but now we are also sending them straight to your inbox. I'm happy to announce that we will be sending our email subscribers legit online jobs every Wednesday. We have done hours of research so you don't have to. If you want to be the first one to hear about the remote gigs we find, go to theoffbeatlife.com to subscribe. On this week's episode, I'm so excited to speak with Mariela, who is a 15-year marketing director who has grown profitable brands for Fortune 500 companies and startups. Halfway through her career, she traded her six-figure cubicle job to travel solo across Europe without a plan. It turned into a two international moves, motherhood, all while growing and leading marketing teams across time zones. Listen on to find out how Mariela helps high-achieving women build purpose-driven brands and become leaders in their industries. Hey everyone, thank you so much for being here. I am really excited for today's guest, Mariela. Hey Mariela, how are you? Hi Debbie, I'm good. I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much for speaking with us today. Can you tell us more about you and why you live an offbeat life? Yes. So I guess the best way I can describe myself is that I was a corporate marketer (laughs) um, who left the kind of cubicle life behind because I just felt like I had succeeded on all of the things that are on the, you know, grocery list checklist of life. I had the six-figure job. I, you know, had the job title I said that I always wanted. I had all the things that I thought that I always wanted and felt really unfulfilled. Um, I was working at a Fortune 500 insurance company (laughs) doing marketing. And so it was a creative job in a very uncreative industry. And I just remember thinking one day, like I was writing copy to have lawyers review it. And my job was like, okay, write this copy so that it's you know, so that the lawyers approve it. And, you know, that was kind of, you know, that was like my my KPI of success is like write it and just make sure that it gets approved. And I was just like, this just isn't what I want to do anymore. I don't want to write copy. I don't want to talk about insurance anymore. I, you know, I just had built a life that wasn't me. And I was in um, a 13-year, you know, relationship with my high school sweetheart at the time that was really, you know, not healthy. And so I quit the job and I left the relationship <laughs> and I bought a one-way ticket to London. Um, it was just something that I was felt pulled to do at the time. I had been there once and everything told me you're meant to live here one day. I kind of had a like a deja vu moment of walking to the tube station with my gray pea coat. And there was just something about that moment that I was like, you built a life that you're not happy with. This wasn't the life you were meant to live. And so yeah, I saved my money, handed in my notice and I went to London. And that turned into a whole host of things that we're going to go into today, but not the least of which is 
I became an underground hip hop journalist. I met my daughter's father, fell in love, got married and moved to London and ended up living there for several years. So I'm going to stop there because I feel like there's so much to even go to in that story. But following that very first inkling of this is not the life that I'm meant to be living, I just need to go and I need to buy this way is is what started it for me. Well, there's definitely a lot there that we can dig into, but there's two things, right? One is that you left a really steady job that most people would think is a dream job. So you took that leap. And then another is you left a long-term relationship where most people probably thought, well, they're going to get married. They have this really long-term relationship. Those are two huge Mm -hmm. transitions that you did simultaneously. That's crazy. How did you stay sane? Like, how did you even do this and still function? (laughs) I think, girl, it was just, you know, the thing is, is that I actually had to do it almost like one layer at a time. So I think what I realized is that a lot of the decisions that I made were shaped by me being the eldest daughter to immigrant parents. And anyone who has, you know, immigrant parents, probably like me, grew up very close to their family's immigration story. And, you know, a lot of that was around, you know, we came to this country so you guys can have a stable life and you can get a nice job, stay, have a 401k and save all your money and, you know, buy a house and have kids and make enough money to retire one day, you know, and that was their dream because they grew up with nothing. You know, my, my parents, both grew up in Mexico. My dad definitely wasn't, well, honestly, both of them were in poverty for sure. And the, so part of me was always like, I'm their, I'm their trophy for America. You know, like I have to be successful because they struggled so much to get us here. My grandfathers, my parents, they struggled so much. So everything in me was like, go to college, you know, do well, go get that good job. And so I remember telling myself like, by the time I'm 30, I'm going to be making six figures and I'm going to be a marketing manager and I'm going to be married and I'm going to have a house. And guess what? I actually did all of those things, but I never asked myself, like, is this actually what I want? And am I actually happy in my relationship? And the answer was no to all of those. But it wasn't until I hit 30 that somehow I just looked within and was like, why am I unhappy and what can I start with first? And so the relationship is the very first thing that I left because it was kind of clouding my my happiness and my judgment and everything else. And once I realized that I actually could trust myself a lot more than I thought and that the relationship was never healthy to begin with, that actually allowed me to see everything else more clearly. So it, I did it bit by bit, but leaving the long-term relationship was the very first step for me to then say, okay, if I can do that one hard thing and that feels good, then what next? What doesn't belong in my life? And how can I take the next step to create space for what does belong in my life? That's how I started to do that bit by bit. That's a lot on your shoulders and also a lot of responsibility. Like you said, coming from an immigrant family who came literally from nothing and then Mm -hmm. to see their child really succeed in life, working for a Fortune 500 company, making all of this money, living the American dream, and then just turning that away, putting that to the side and then doing what makes them happy, which is really interesting to me, right? Because... Yeah. My my parents and I are also immigrants and I definitely see where you're coming from because we're in the, the same state. And it's interesting how and what they see as living the American dream and what we mm-hmm. see are two completely different things. They're not wrong. They're just different. Yeah. Um, yeah but it's also yeah. 
yeah, it's also trying to live out somebody else's dream, even though it's your parents and you love them so much and not yes. crossing that boundary between still respecting them and also disrespecting what they have done is such a fine yes. line, right? When you want to do it, what it, you want to do. It is. You know what? One thing that actually, it kind of gave me a framework to understand where that pull comes from. And it's Maslow's uh, hierarchy of needs. So when you think about the bottom of the hierarchy in Maslow's hierarchy of needs, it goes from physiological needs, which is, you know, food, water, shelter, to safety and security, right? So they were treading that line of like, they wanted to make sure that, you know, they often didn't have their basic needs met. And they wanted to come to America for security. And then there's friendship, love and belonging. And that was, you know, my parents didn't really, they still really don't have friends. Like they're each other's friends, you know, they're still, <laughs> they're still together. But for us, the thing is, is that when you have those needs met, it is a beautiful thing and I'm so grateful for it. But then I think recognizing that it's a natural part of our self-actualization to say, okay, well, now that I've got those things left, like now, you know, how do I go up that hierarchy to esteem? The next one is like esteem, recognition, status, you know, and that's like going to college and getting the title. And then when you have that, because I had that, I was like, well, how come I have the things and I have the titles and I have the money and I I feel like there's something deeper. And then the top of that is self-actualization. It is the desire to become the most that you can be. And that's what's led me to, to doing what I'm doing now, because I feel like that self-actualization and it's what I help do for clients. So I think just normalizing that to be like, I'm not selfish. We're standing on their shoulders. You know, yeah. we're standing on the shoulders of everything that they've done and everything that they've sacrificed is something that helped me not feel selfish or bad about it. And also, I think about it in a way where they have sacrificed so much for us that we need to do way better, maybe even way better than what they expected from us. And being at a yes. job that you hate, I don't mm -hmm. think they want that from us. I definitely know if no. I had a child and they were unhappy with the job that they had, I'd be like, no, do your own thing, yeah. you know, take care of yeah. you. <laughs> exactly. It's like, I want my daughter to have more options and she will than I had, you know? And I think that even if your families don't understand, it's just that their frame of reference is different. Their life experience is different. Therefore, maybe they never really allowed themselves to dream bigger because that just wasn't in their reality. They're happy with what they have and, you know, the, maintaining security and all of that. And so it's like, I have so much respect for my parents and what, you know, they've allowed me to be able to, the choices I can even make. So yeah, I, I definitely feel like in our own way, we are honoring that. <laughs> We're honoring that by being able to make choices that they could have only dreamed of. Yeah. So let's go back to when you finally left that career that you had, you left that relationship that wasn't working anymore. How did you prepare to make that big change? That is a good question. So I knew I was going to do this a while before. So I know that the idea of like, just quit your job and buy the flight sounds very like glamorous, but I, in my very type A way, um, knew I was going to do this. So I say <laughs> I left this very expensive, like, condo that my ex, you know, my ex and I were in um, that was in San Francisco and I moved to San Diego where it was cheaper. So basically I downsized, I went to a cheaper city, kept my San Francisco salary, saved, 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 because this is where the immigrant like mindset well, came in, <laughs> saved, saved, <laughs> saved. And then I handed in my notice. It took about like eight months, something like that. So it was definitely not a whim. It was something that I really thought about for a while. And I ended up, you know, being able to be off, you know, 
not actually go back into like um, a full-time you know role for a while, but that's how I ended up doing it is I saved my money. I handed in my notice. I had my one-way flight you know, kind of booked. And then it helped that I fell into a freelance gig that kind of allowed me to sort of pay for my travel expenses while I was just kind of out and about. you know. So that's how I wound up doing it. And then I just started blogging and doing videography and social media work for all of these different UK brands. And that's what kind of carried me forward, taking all of the creative aspect of what I did, all of the creative aspects that I couldn't really tap into in my job. Funny (laughs) enough, um, I was able to do it as a freelancer. I love that. And I also like to emphasize all the time when I have these type of interviews and I listen to your story is that a lot of people think, oh yeah, they just left their nine to five and then everything was just peachy keen. Like it was really great Mm -hmm. after that. Like, no, it actually takes if, okay. So if you want to do this sustainably, there has to be some sort of a planning that goes on to it. Right. Because you don't want to go. Exactly. You don't want to leave. You have no plans. You have no savings. You have no job lined up. And then all of a sudden you lose all that money and then you're back to square one. You have to either go back to a day job that you hate or take out a job that you also are not happy with. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are certain circumstances that you actually find the job that you want because you're hustling for it. But for the most part, I think you should plan for it first. I mean, I know I'm also kind of type A in that sense too. It's just that I think that it allows some people are motivated by not having a plan. Um, for me, it doesn't motivate me. And so for me, it, I ask myself a few questions. One is, how much money do I need to have in order to not have to worry about earning money while I'm traveling? Because I didn't want to make it so that I had to earn money while I was traveling. So I was like, okay, cool. I can probably be out for like a year and a half. Then I said, do I want to keep my apartment or not? Because that's another question too. If you're going to be traveling for a really long time, can you sublet your place? you know, do you want to keep it? I kept it because my costs of living were like so low. Um, and I had a roommate, so it wasn't that bad. So I had done the math. I had done the math. I looked at how much, you know, cost of living was in each city, how much I thought I was going to be spending, but then I happened to actually fall into a freelance gig. So that, that really helped, but no, I planned it <laughs> and it made me feel more free in a way by doing that. Cause I was like, okay, I'm good. I don't need to worry about this. I can enjoy myself. Yeah. Having those different options are so helpful. But I also do want to say that you're never going to be ready until you finally take that first step. So I'm not saying we're not saying to wait like years and years for it. Plan it out. Have a few months worth of savings at least and then do your thing. Don't wait for it too long. Yeah. (laughs) And give give yourself a deadline. That's what I've done in all of the I want to say crazy, but they're not that crazy. I always give myself a deadline and I say, I don't want to be in this situation by X date. And generally that's around an anniversary, right? So my last job that I just left that I was at for five years going full-time in my business, I told myself, I don't want to, I don't want to hit my five-year anniversary. I don't want to hit this anniversary. You know, you give yourself a deadline because otherwise if you don't, you may just keep putting it in the someday box. Mm -hmm. Someday, someday I'm going to do this, you know? Yeah. It's having that deadline is so crucial. I did the same thing when I left my nine to five. I'm like, by December, I am not going to be here anymore. I turned in my notice and then that's it. You got to you gotta do it, guys. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, you have to. Especially, I'd say especially if you're type A because you're going to find reasons not to do it and be like, it's not a good time. And I'm like, you know, it's never going to be a good time. You can plan, but give yourself a deadline just like you do with all of your type A-ness. That will work. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, Mariela, we all have that what now moment, right? After leaving our nine to five or any big changes in our life, I definitely had that. What about you? What was yours like? Oh my gosh. No, I think that I was, so yes, I think everything in me was grasping at, can I just, you know, how am I going to be making money? Like, what is this? Is this my new thing now? Is this, you know, me freelancing? I think part of me was like trying to find that. And so my what now, I think, a lot of it was was me telling myself stories that I needed this to be a thing. And I think that eventually I let go of that and was just like, okay, what now is I create space <laughs> to listen to myself, to tap into my creativity, to not fill my days with stuff and with things to do. And that was a really hard thing for me. Like I remember being on my own more than I'd ever been on my own ever in my entire life where, you know, when you're traveling and people don't know who you are. And there's like this moment where I said, gosh, like I, it's weird. Like it's been such a long time since I've seen a familiar face, you know? So I think that what now moment was like, okay, what do I really need right now? Why did I do this in the first place? And I think that's what I had to ask myself is why did I do this in the first place? Is it to go and create another career abroad? Is it for adventure? It really wasn't. I think I was just craving space to listen to myself and trust myself. So I think that's what it is. The what now is is what do I need? Why did I do this? Um, and how can I give myself that now? You've also transitioned to a lot of different careers for yourself from the Fortune 500 companies and then you were doing underground pop culture. <laughs> so that yes. was pretty interesting. And now you are helping women start their own online businesses and making their brand stand out. What mm-hmm. has been the push for you to change into that gear and land into this and make this your purpose? So the push, I think, for me was the fact that I felt like in everything I ever did, I was always just one part of myself and never all of who I was. And I think for a time, I didn't know who that person was. I was a different person to make other people happy. I was a person to make my parents, my immigrant parents happy. I was a person to, you know, make my ex happy, to be, you know, corporate and professional enough being the only woman of color in the room in corporate. And I just never felt like I fit in. And so I think the push was I'm in this search for belonging. I'm in a search for myself and who I am. And how can I find out who I am and be more of that in everything I do. And I think that that is ultimately pivot by pivot by pivot what brought me to where I am now, which is I now am an online entrepreneur Mm full-time myself as a marketing and business coach. And I help women to find their voices, to develop their personal brands, and to develop a purpose-driven brand that has a really strong mission because I think that there's a lot of us who are very good at a skill, but we're not talking about the deeper thing behind that skill set. What about you? What about your story? Why are you doing this? And whenever I ask those questions, the answers are so, like, they're astonishing. I'm like, why aren't you telling the story? This is amazing. And that's what I want. I want these women to feel like they can bring 100% themselves to the table in what they do because that's who I needed back then. Yeah. And that's something that is so powerful that you really connect with when you see somebody. And it's not just about what services they're offering or products that they're selling. It's what's behind it and what allowed them to really give themselves and 
again, create this new purpose for themselves to be able to help you. And also that makes you really stand out because, you know, you could have similar services than somebody else, but your stories are completely different and that could really make you stand out. Yes. The only thing no one can can imitate, you know, there's the Simon Sinek thing that he says, you know, people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. And it is so true because especially if you're doing something that's in a quote unquote, like saturated industry, as I am an online entrepreneur and I'm a business coach and so many, there are so many business and marketing coaches, but what is different about all of us is our why, is our stories. And so being able to integrate those two instead of feeling like you have to separate them is what's going to make you stand out. And people buy into your why, and then you can build from that. So yeah, absolutely. When you finally started your online business in marketing and business coaching, how did you land your first client? Oof, yeah. So it's really interesting because when I landed my first client, I wasn't even saying that I wanted to be a coach. I was still kind of in um, this like stuck phase of saying, oh, could I do this? Um, because I had been, you know, director of marketing at this hospitality recruitment agency in London when I moved from London, I kept that job. So I was there for a while. So all I really did without really realizing it, which we're going to talk about today, was I started to build my personal